0: Hey everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it.
1: Today we are going to see Jesus get to confront every single group of people who do not like him and want to have a problem with him. They want to embarrass him. Uh, Today we are looking at Mark chapter 12. And the, the thing that I noticed immediately in reading over Mark chapter 12 is there are actually specific segments for each kind of religious person who was opposing Jesus in this chapter. Um, I don't I don't know if maybe I haven't noticed it in other chapters, but it is interesting that Jesus gets to pick a fight with the Pharisees, or rather they pick a fight with him. Uh, he gets to argue with the Herodians, he gets to argue with the Sadducees, and he gets to argue with the scribes. So he left no stone unturned uh, in Mark chapter 12, and it's going to be interesting to look into these stories and what he has to say about them.
0: So I actually just noticed this as you were talking. It's interesting. the The chapter starts out with this parable of the tenants, where there are three instances where three servants are sent out by their master, um, in order to, I guess, like, help me out here. Like, they, what are they doing in this? the The servants are going so- out
1: okay so to the tenants you're referring to this would be like verse 1 through verse 12. yeah Jesus tells this parable of um, tenants so that this man owns a vineyard and tenants are caring for the vineyard
0: they're like managers they're
1: like managers they're stewards they're tenants and so the the guy that owns the vineyard is going to send them servant or send his servants to them so that he can have some of the fruit of the vineyard and perhaps some of the income of the vineyard that is due to him. And then like he just he just keeps sending them and he like they keep mistreating these servants. Mm
0: -hmm. So I guess what was interesting to me is that throughout this parable, there are three servants that are sent out. They are all mistreated. They're all hurt. The last one is actually killed, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, And what's interesting is that we're actually going to see three different groups of people that are like. in a way tormenting Jesus by trying to trap him in his words throughout the rest of this chapter. So it's like, huh, I wonder if that was like a lead in kind of situation that Jesus was about like to to gear up for what he knew was coming. Um, But we see the Pharisees attacking him. We see the scribes attacking him. We see the Sadducees attacking him. So it is I don't know. It just seems kind of ironic that that is exactly what he's talking about right beforehand. It
1: is certainly a fitting introduction to chapter 12, this parable of the tenants. And just to make sure that we're clear on this, the parable of the tenants is basically like the man who owns the vineyard is representing God. And the mm-hmm. servants that he's sending in to the tenants is representing the prophets, yeah.
0: Um,
1: and and the people that the tenants themselves, the people that God has asked to steward uh, His kingdom, uh, this would represent the nation of Israel. So the nation of Israel here has repeatedly uh, beaten or killed the prophets. And the kind of like the climax of the, of the story is that the the owner of the land, the owner of the vineyard, sends his own son his to son, them. Yeah. And they decide to revolt against the son and kill the son. Ultimately, this represents Jesus.
0: Because it says in here, the, the owner of the vineyard will say in verse uh, 6, they will respect my son. But when the tenants find him, they say, oh, this is the heir. Let's kill him. So, like, what? This is exactly, it's very foretelling of what's going to happen. It's
1: really interesting when you think about what this parable is representing because God here, being the owner of the vineyard, is not necessarily represented as, like, a vengeful, hateful person, owner. Um, He's actually consistently trying to get the tenants' attention, and he's trying to, like, uh, he just gives them chance after chance after chance, even though he would have been right to, like, Judge them and I don't know, carry out judgment on them right after the very first person. I was gonna
0: say it does happen eventually, it happens after the heir is killed. Yes, because in verse 9 it says, What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others.
1: But he sends so many servants to get their attention. So, it's, I guess, thank you for bringing that up because it's not completely fair that he doesn't judge them, he definitely does. But he gives a lot of chances and God continues to give us a lot of chances that we do not deserve. Another pivot point in the story uh, is verse 12. And they were seeking to arrest him. This would be the religious leaders, but feared the people for they perceived that he had told the parable against them
0: weird so they
1: left in one way so they're listening to this and this parable is not confusing at least to the people that are supposed mm-hmm. to hear it usually and um, as
0: they're hearing it they're probably just like oh man i can't oh, believe man. he's saying here this. he goes <laughs> and it ends up just biting them in the butt anyway but then, do you want to keep talking about no, that that's, at all? No, that's, okay. that's that parable. So when we pivot from that, we start to see these instances where those specific groups of leaders start asking questions to Jesus. The
1: one thing that I want you guys to notice here is that these are not in any way genuine questions. So like it, it can be interesting. There are things to learn from them for sure. But people are not asking the questions that follow to actually learn anything.
0: To me, they seem a lot of like, well, Jesus, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Yes. That is what I feel yes. like when I hear these questions like, oh, my gosh, so you're just trying to get him to say something dumb.
1: We can get some insight from them. But please understand that nobody involved in these situations are actually like intrigued by what Jesus has to say. They're just trying to trip him up. So the first the first group, the, we're looking at verse 13 through verse uh, 17, this is people, uh, the Pharisees and the Herodians coming to Jesus to ask about taxes. And there is some historical background here that's really important. The Jews at this time, they understood that they were not permitted to make any graven image. So the Jews at this time resented the Roman coinage mm. because the Roman coinage had a an image of Caesar on it and they were encouraged to actually participate in worship of Caesar. So the Jews actually would have um, resented this money at all. Many of them did not carry this money at all. And so Jesus is kind of like calling out that like you already know, like you already reject the money that Rome has given you. Mm -hmm. You already believe it's sinful. I believe they actually send for somebody to get one. Is that correct? Um, Let me see. Bring yeah. Me, yeah, bring me a denarius. So it's not like it's not like it's in his pocket, and it's not like it's in their pocket. They have to have somebody go fetch it. Um, that's because they didn't use this kind of money because they saw it as utterly sinful.
0: Well, that was actually Jesus who said that. Yes. Jesus who said so? Okay, okay, he didn't I have you.
1: one. They didn't have one, yeah. so somebody okay. brings one to him.
0: So they end up looking at it, and Jesus just gives them like the best answer ever. It's like, well, who's on it? I guess give it to Caesar if it's his and give God what is his. And which is really cool about that is that God, what he deserves and what we give to God transcends all of it.
1: His answer is so witty. Because it does tell people like, hey, like if Rome gives you money, you have to pay taxes on that money. The money belongs to them. You don't even like the money in the first place. Yeah. But also you must give to God what's God's. So he recognizes Roman authority, but only within the context of God's authority. Mm -hmm. So his answer is so wise. Obviously, it's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it, it actually continues to speak to us today. Like we still pay taxes, and we I mean, there there's a whole debate about that as well, but the money that we have ultimately comes from God, and God reveals to us repeatedly that we are actually supposed to strive to be good citizens in the nations where He has placed us, and part of that is paying taxes. So Jesus says, like, hey, pay your taxes." Jesus uh, is not the only person that says that. Paul eventually says that as well. um there's there's a whole debate about how far that goes and like how we handle all that, but essentially, What we want you to see here is the Jewish people didn't even appreciate this money in the first place. This is a total setup. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, like, hey, if it's Caesar's, give it to Caesar. But everything belongs to God, so give to God.
0: So then the Sadducees come up. They're verses 18 to 27. And they're basically asking Jesus this super hypothetical question um, where it refers to an old testament passage where moses basically said like if a brother dies and leaves a wife the next brother should take that wife and they basically go through this scenario where it's like if this woman is still living and all the brothers die and have married her with no children what is going to happen to her when when they're all in heaven someday whose will she be Um, And what's interesting is like you can feel the tension in this question, because if you've ever actually thought about that or you have experienced or know somebody who is a widow or a widower, like that is an uncomfortable question. But it causes you to shift your focus from what Jesus actually replies with, which, again, very wise, very witty on his part with what he responds with.
1: So a couple key background things here. Sadducees taught that it was impossible for people to be resurrected. Sadducees did not (laughs) even believe in resurrection. So this is like the definition of an insincere question. And it involves eight fictional characters, at least eight. So they don't even, they're just trying to make Jesus look stupid. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And Jesus is essentially like, I I think the more compelling thing that he says to them is God says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those aren't dead men. They're living. You're quite wrong. The other interesting thing that Jesus is going to do is still in Mark chapter 12 is bring up that these people are devouring widows' houses. That's in verse 40. So here you have a group of people um, who Jesus is willing to reveal. They have no problem taking advantage of widows. And one of the ways they're taking advantage of widows is just using them in a hypothetical situation to try to capture Jesus. So Jesus, I think very wittingly later on is like, you know what, these people They're taking advantage of widows and all they care about is worldly honor, but they don't honor God with their actions. So Jesus kind of, Jesus answers them. He says like, when we, uh, when we are resurrected, we don't marry and we're not given in marriage because we're like angels in heaven, which is pretty cool to think about. Um, but the point is not, I don't think a doctrine of marriage. I think it's just like, guys, you don't even know what you're talking about. Um, you're wrong (laughs) essentially.
0: And then finally, we kind of end the chapter with the scribes. So we see this new group of people coming in to question Jesus. Um, They're talking about actually two things here. Um, So they're talking about the great commandment and then questioning who is the Christ or whose son is the Christ, excuse me. And then it's like a little bit of like this strange, I don't know, like poking at the scribes from verses thirty eight to forty, which actually was just like, oh man, I hate the descriptions because I feel like that is not something that has died with its with time. <laughs> that is still something that's very prevalent today, just the description of the scribes and what they did and um how they took advantage of people. So anything that stuck out to you as far as like what they're actually questioning Jesus about?
1: So the scribe situation starting in verse 28, this might be the most sincere person in the entire chapter. It does seem like this guy is somewhat curious um, because Jesus tells him in verse 34, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So it does seem like he is inquiring with some kind of good motivations in his Mm -hmm. heart Uh, He doesn't tell him that he will be in the kingdom of God. So he's not quite there. Sometimes when people handle these passages, um, I've seen different people read over this and feel like Jesus is issuing a new commandment. Like, wow, he says, like, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. But he's quoting the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy 6. Uh, many of the Israelites would have memorized Deuteronomy 6. So this was very far from some kind of new thing. This is actually a very old thing that many of them would have ha- memorized. So it's like th- this is actually, I don't think it would have been received as a really deep, uh, life-changing thought. I think it would have been like, really? Like the stuff we learned in Sunday school is like the most important mm-hmm. thing? And he's like, yeah. Um, so the the love of the Lord your God is from Deuteronomy 6. And the love your neighbor as yourself is from Leviticus 19. So these are not new commandments. These are not new laws. I don't even really think that Jesus even puts like a new spin on them, Uh, which is to me faith affirming because he's just confirming what God has already revealed like way, way, way back at the beginning through Moses. And so Jesus is saying like, hey, take these seriously. And this, this scribe to his credit takes it pretty seriously. Like he's like, okay, I would like to try to do that. Um, and you can see at the at the end of verse thirty four that after that no one dared to ask him any more questions. Mm-hmm. Jesus has successfully navigated all these traps that are being set for him, and nobody's interested in trying to make him look stupid anymore because he's proven he's actually very wise.
0: Well, then it does have this one little section about um, the scribes were questioning uh, that Jesus, or excuse me, that Christ is the son of David, and to me that was like, wait, what? But then Jesus. Pull something from what David had actually said in the Old Testament, where it says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? Uh, And it was interesting. Like, there's a lot of people that are listening to this and are actually like, oh, yeah that makes a lot of sense actually so it's like clarifying a lot of what was being thrown at him so then finally we get to this part about the scribes and a widow's offering and the scribes to me like this there's just some pretty pointed descriptions of them we're talking about like just how they find themselves in like the best places the places of honor how they enjoy being essentially just like famous throughout yes wherever they're living um and that they are diligently looking to take advantage of other people.
1: They enjoy the fame. They enjoy the acknowledgement of being faithful people, but at their center, they are not faithful people. Mm -hmm. This is not a problem that has disappeared. This is why churches are being wrecked with scandals. This is why giant megachurch pastors are falling because they enjoy the good press that they get, but in and of themselves, they're not very honorable uh, leaders. And that, that doesn't mean all of them uh, but it does mean that this is still a prevalent problem today. And I think it, you know, very few of us are mega church pastors. Probably none of us are mega church pastors. Um, but it is applicable to all of us. We should be careful uh, that we are honoring God with our lives and not enjoying the reputation that comes from it. Like, hopefully, you are the person uh, that you represent yourself to be. Uh, because God sees and knows all things. And if we're just people that enjoy good reputations, like that will be found out eventually. Mm-hmm. And then just to wrap it up, uh, speak to this quickly, this this widow, um, there's all these people giving huge offerings. And this widow gives uh, two very small copper coins. Keep in mind, they didn't actually like the Roman coinage. Th- these two copper coins are the ones that were for Jews. And Jesus says, like, she has actually given the most because she has given to God from her poverty not from her excess. So we honor God when we give God generously um, out of the first of what we have. And it's not the amount and it's not the percentage. It's how we honor God uh, first and foremost with everything that has been given to us. This woman is doing that and Jesus is honoring her publicly. Mm-hmm. So your part today I think is is very simple. It's a combination of those two things like don't uh, worship God just to be honored Uh, Make sure you're worshiping God with your whole life, even when nobody's looking, and honor God with your possessions. It's so important. We've been seeing this over and over in the last couple of chapters, and this widow is a great example to follow. We don't give so that people will recognize us. We give to honor God, and we give out of our first and foremost to honor God, uh, not out of our least and last. So we'll be back again tomorrow with Mark chapter 13. We'll see you then.
0: Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you.
1: We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month.
0: Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading.
1: Mark chapter 12. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. And Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, he left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because we know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. And one of the scribes came up to him and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right. Teacher, you have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him and to love him with all the heart, and with all understanding, and with all strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the Son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching he said, Beware of the scribes, who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces, and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. For they have all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.